0: You're listening to the Bill Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. Now's the best time to sign up for Midco Sports Plus, your streaming destination for University of North Dakota football, basketball, volleyball, soccer, softball, and more. Midco Sports Plus is also the new home of the Summit League Network, giving you access to UND's conference games, both home and away, so you won't miss a minute of the action that matters most this season. Sign up today at MidCoastSportsPlus.com. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Chaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Chaves Podcast. We're taping this on the 12th of September alongside Bill Chaves. I'm Alex Heinrich. We are joined today, Bill, by a special guest from out west, a man that... You know well, and UND fans will get to know over the course of the week as we build up to a pretty big football game coming up on Saturday. It's Bob Beeler, the play-by-play voice for Boise State football and men's basketball. Bob, thanks so much for being with us today.
1: Great to be here and great to see you and great to be with Bill as well.
2: Awesome, Bob. Well, hey, we've known each other probably, what, uh, over 20 years now Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, followed each other's careers. And uh, how long have you been at Boise now since you came from UMass?
1: This is uh, my 16th season calling Boise State football, so I'll get to my 200th game in the middle of the year. It's been great for Mm -hmm. football, and basketball has done extremely well, too. A couple of, you know, three or four tournaments in the last, I think, five years. So uh, Boise State sports really has done quite well. It's been a lot of fun.
2: Well, we're excited about coming out. Um, Talk about you know prior to the pod we talked just briefly about this window this television mm-hmm. window um you've been you've had it a couple of times
1: huh we have the 10 a.m window and a lot of times you know the fans kind of grumble because it's going to be a, a a breakfast tailgate if you will as opposed <laughs> to uh uh you know a, a, an all-day affair out at the stadium and tailgating is big in Boise. we've got a lot of parking right around the stadium to make it a a fun scene but uh, on the road, and that's something you guys are going to enjoy for a team, it's unbelievable because you have to get up a little bit earlier, but the game will be over by 1.30 probably. You'll probably be to your plane, you know, at 2.30, 3 o'clock, and, you, you know, you might have a chance to be home for a, for a later dinner. So uh, <laughs> we, we have so many games that, that play at different times. I don't know about you guys, but we'll have some that will start at, like, you know, eight o'clock or eight 30. And then you're, you know, if it's a road game, you don't get back till four or five in the morning. So anything we can do in the sunshine is, is a plus. We had the 10 AM game at home last year on black Friday. And then uh, we've had a couple of away games. It's it. Once you get up, it's, it's fine. One quick
2: follow-up to that. Um, you know, interestingly, I think the weather is going to be warm, but probably in the morning kickoff probably would be good for both teams.
1: It was a little hot, to start our game last week at five o'clock. So, you know, when they were out there warming up in the five to six o'clock hour, the only thing that's difficult about a 10 a.m. home is the press box faces east. So you get the sun in your face for the first, mm. you know, quarter or so. But that, that that's just us in the press box. The <laughs> team's probably going to like it because the weather here in the morning up until about Noon, it doesn't get hot. It is just fantastically gorgeous. So I think that the players are going to love playing out there. Uh, that our team practices in the morning. I don't know what time, uh, what time you guys practice, but mornings here are just ideal.
2: Yeah, we do the same thing, Bob. We we practice in the morning. So uh, I, you know, for us, we're excited about it.
1: And the blue field is certainly something to see. It's uh, it's iconic. I mean, we we had a great turnout from UCF that came last week from Orlando, and, and they they said that they had probably doubled the number that traveled because you know it was a non-conference game. Probably never going to come back. So it was your one shot to to see a football on our blue field, and and the town is a lot of fun, and people are welcoming. So I I, I think the people who come are going to have a good time.
0: Yeah, it is a beautiful place. It's not too distant a trip for folks in North Dakota, even though we're coming from the eastern part of the state, kind of across the Rockies to get to Boise, but a beautiful place to go. You mentioned the Blue Surf. Let's just start there because you brought it up. And this has been around since 1986, correct? This is such a unique thing that's so iconic, as you mentioned.
1: It was originally designed to sort of, you know, give the school some some notoriety. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gene Blameyer was the athletic director at the time. The story that was told to me, you know, talked to one of the manufacturers and the guy said, no, we can't make blue. And, and he's like, well, you have to put green dye in to get green turf. So why can't you make it with blue or red as the case would be in at, at Eastern Washington where, where Bill Bill was before and was responsible with that. So I think it's just been a genius marketing, because if you see the highlights on TV or if you're flipping across the dial and you see the blue field, you know exactly who is playing in that game. Boise State's going to be in that game. So I don't know. I just think something makes this program special. And, uh, you know, there's been, I think, either four or five you know, incarnations of the turf that they've had to, you know, change out over the years. And it's gone from the old indoor-outdoor carpet that was really low, and you get a lot of, you know, rug burns to mm-hmm. the, you know, the modern stuff now that if you walk on the field at a practice, you get those, you got short pants on, you get those little black pellets stuck to your legs. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure that, you know, as, as we move forward in the next 10 or 15 years, there'll probably be some other thing that they make that makes it even softer and spongier that, uh, that will uh, be blue as well.
2: You know it's funny bob um obviously growing up uh in new england and that's where we met uh you know i just remember the humanitarian bowl Mm -hmm. you know i mean flipping around and that was my introduction to boise state at that point and it was so unique like you said that you kind of stayed there for a little
1: Mm -hmm. bit And, and i will say that it looks different on tv than it does in person you really get used to it. Everybody thinks that, well, the uniforms blend in, but I think it's probably because of the camera angle. Our press box is tall and, and it's pretty close to the field. So almost you're shooting straight down. You know, if you're standing on the field and, and you're the quarterback and you're looking for people, the defenders don't blend into the turf because they're up against the, you know, the, the stands and other people. So, a lot of the wives tales that you hear are not true. Just like the birds (laughs) dive into it thinking it's a lake. No birds are not, not not that stupid. They know exactly. (laughs) They might go on the turf, but they're going to sit there and just kind of sun themselves. They're not going to, they're not going to dive
0: in thinking they're getting in water. So that's what our fans will see on the field. Give us a sense of what the atmosphere is going to be like at Albertson Stadium. This is a great facility, one of the jewels in college football.
1: Yeah, it seats about thirty five thousand. Not a bad seat in the house, which I think is great. I actually think and maybe many stadiums you wouldn't say this about, but I actually think the seats in the upper level are better than the lower level because Mm -hmm. the upper level is not that high. And the way it sits out over the top of the lower level, you really feel like you're on top of the field. So again, not a bad seat in the house. You know, we, we played at Washington where there were 70,000 seats. And you feel like you're so far away from the field. I think I think it's a good experience. Uh, the basketball arena sits across the parking lot from it. So there's plenty of parking for tailgating. Uh, the campus, everything is right there, it's on campus. A river goes behind the, the north end of the stadium. If there is a breeze it usually comes from the the north end from the riverside we've got this new big scoreboard in the south end that we used to have this little tiny one that was quite frankly the size of a postage stamp and we had a better one at the at the north end of the stadium well this is the be the second game since we've had the big one and it just looks really really big um and and i think that people will be impressed with that especially for the for the size of the stadium uh, people tailgate throughout campus, so if you park, like I park in one of the garages and have, you know, uh, probably a five to ten minute walk over to the stadium, you'll pass people's, uh, you know, tailgates. The football practice field, they've kind of turned into a tailgate scene where you can go out there, play games, they have music, uh, things for the kids, and and that's sort of kitty corner, you know, it's, it's kind of between the basketball arena, the parking lot, and the football stadium, so there are things to do there. Um, I just think it's a nice setup. Um, you know, I'm there early, I'm there late, so uh, I kind of see it all as I come through. And and you know, obviously we've been good, so people are excited. The Rarity for us, zero and two for the first time since 2005. But it was the first time we've opened up with two Power Five teams since that year, and ran into two teams that are pretty good this year: Washington and, and UCF.
2: Well, obviously, we play this Saturday, correct, and then uh, and then it, you've got San Diego State the next week as well, and I think Memphis after that, so yeah. I'll tell you what, it's it's been a difficult schedule mm-hmm. for the Broncos.
1: And the thing that I think has made these opponents tough, yourself included, Memphis, San Diego, probably has the least experienced quarterback, but when you look at the quarterbacks we face, Penix, I think, should have gone to the NFL for Washington. Plumlee is a dual threat that for a returning starter, actually a three-year starter, started one at Ole Miss, and this is his third, excuse me second year at UCF. Schuster, for you guys, is your all-time leading passer. And then uh, Memphis has, I think, a three-year starter at quarterback. So we're seeing some of the better quarterbacks in the league. And as you guys know, that's such an important position. So our defense has been tested the first two weeks, and I expect they'll be tested again. Uh, we've had a little trouble defending the long pass, so hopefully from our stake, we can get better at it this week.
0: The story of the Broncos season so far has been one difficult defeat on the road mm-hmm. against a very good Washington team, and then a, a heartbreaker last week against UCF. Just give us kind of the mood of this group as they enter week number three against North Dakota. Well,
1: I, I think they're looking to get better. I think they're obviously disappointed, you know, with, with, with not being at least one and one. Uh, the uh, you know, there there have been good things that they've done, and I think that's what they need to do. And I also think they need to just build a little more consistency. And I think I think that's kind of the, the sentiment through the, the program when you hear the players and the coaches talk. Just, you know, being more consistent. Don't have that one breakdown that allows somebody maybe to get 40 yards. I mean, the, the game with UCF was a coin toss. They got a, they got a 40 yard field goal to win the game on the final play. You know, if it's missed or blocked, you know, Boise state wins and, and nothing would change. I mean, you know, if the field goal is is missed and we end up going to one-on-one, one, we aren't any better team than we are if we are 0-2 and, and, and vice versa. Um, I think that when you look at some of our strengths, uh, one of our running backs has really, really emerged this year and that's sophomore Ashton Genty. He's uh I think he's going to have a shot to get 100 yards, both receiving and rushing in a game. He was very close last week. Uh, nobody's done that for quite some time at Boise State. You know, there have been 100-yard rushers and there have been 100-yard receivers, but not not the same person. Our quarterback, Taylor Green, who is, a, you know, a dual-threat quarterback, went out with cramps late in the third quarter and never came back. Our backup got us into the lead on a last second uh, drive, 149 left. Uh, The only problem was we we had this great catch and run and got into the end zone, but probably scored a little too soon with 149 to go. Just left uh, UCF just a little bit too much time. Uh, But again, it's probably been something where the offense just hasn't quite been consistent enough. The defense is, has really let people move the ball from the 20 to the 20. Last week, uh, only one touchdown in five trips into the red zone for UCF. And I'll give you this stat. We've given up over 500 yards in back-to-back games, which that's a, that's a ton of yards, way too many yards. We gave up one touchdown. We were so good in the red zone. You know, We let people come close and then turn them over twice stopped them on downs once, held them to a field goal another time, and they got the one touchdown. There were eight teams in the top 25 this past week, guys, that got 500 yards. The lowest number of points that those teams got was 40. Wow. Mm. And, wow. and we held UCF to 18. So there there are some positives, and, uh, and I think that, you know, again, they feel they're really, really close.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Bob, you're, you're right in the throes of what's transpiring really with the pack what are we calling it, two, I guess, right now? <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. I I mean, but, but certainly the realignment piece and what are you hearing from your chair? And it's probably no different than what I'm hearing to some degree, but but your perspective.
1: I, you know, I think the Mountain West with their exit fees, I think it's pretty difficult for, you know, a handful of teams to, you know, say, move over to the pack whatever they want to call it, with the, with the two teams, Oregon State and Washington State teams that are left. I think right now the biggest thing is that there's a, a, a kitty of money that's going to be left when all of the, the teams leave. And I think Washington State and Oregon State realize they're not going to get as much money in the next league they're going to be in. So I think they're trying to angle to get as much of that money, you know, to sort of put in a war chest for them as wherever they go. I don't think anything's gonna get decided on what those two are gonna do until it gets sorted out of you know who gets what money.
2: Yeah, I would agree. And I think they did what they had to do this week uh, mm-hmm. in court. And that's probably where some of this is gonna play out.
1: Seems like sports in the courts, or are, are the, 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 there's more than just say a basketball court now when, you, when you're when you talking about <laughs> athletics, it seems like both in, in the professional and college ranks, sometimes we get into that realm of, of, of theater as well.
0: No, doubt. Your sense, though Boise State happy where they are, though, it feels like at least Mountain West, even though there are rumors of, of movement and things like that, you would be surprised if a move gets made sooner than later, I guess, for the Broncos.
1: Well, I just don't know how it, it's going to benefit. I mean, I could see some sort mm-hmm. of a I don't know if merger is the right word or, you know, maybe where they take the Pac-12 name and move the Mountain West teams over to join them. I could maybe see something like that happening. I, I think in the in the past, when the Pac-12 was the Pac-12, I, I think Boise State would have have loved to have been in that conference, you know, and played the Washingtons and the Oregon's and the USC's and the Cows and the Stanford's, UCLA's, and those people. But uh, unfortunately, you know, the, the, they didn't. I mean, San Diego State was what hours away from being invited this summer, and uh, the, the invitation never came. And then the league kind of disintegrated. So. Um, you have to be. You have to be flexible in this in college athletics now, especially uh, with conference membership. So I
2: completely lied. I can lie on the pod. Um, I, have I, well, your- I have a follow up. Well, I have <laughs> a follow up to the question. I have a follow. Up. So Bob, you're originally or have roots in the Bay Area. I mean, it's yeah. got to be tough to see what's happened to the Pac-12, right? I mean, I it, for someone that's I'm 57, right? I'm trying to be mm-hmm. romantic about what has the Pac-12 meant to some degree. It's really kind of sad.
1: It is. It is. Uh, My dad went to Cal. We had Cal season tickets growing up. You know, some saw some good football, some mediocre football and some not so good football, depending on, you know, the era at at Cal during those years. But uh, USC, UCLA, I I think that, you know, you talk about things that have come into college sports, the NIL, the ability to transfer without having to sit out. All of these things, in my opinion, I couldn't have imagined, you know, five to ten years ago. But the one that took the cake was USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten. When that happened, you know, I, I think that's what what killed the the Pac-12 because you lose two of the marquee names and then all of a sudden every league now seems like of the Power Fives, I guess with the exception of the SEC, the ACC, I guess Big 12, they all have somebody now in the Western time zone. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think it's for the better. Um, we'll see how, how everything plays out you know, whether everybody likes what they're doing or whether we'll see another shift because people don't want to travel, you know, 3000 miles for a conference game.
2: No doubt about it. Well, we're really excited about coming this week. It's obviously knock on wood, hopefully, you know, plane gets up, plane gets down, but uh, pretty, pretty easy flight and, uh, you know, love playing early in the uh, early in the day. So we're we're all excited. And I think you'll see a a modicum of green floating around there. Uh, I, I think there'll be some excitement.
1: Well, Bill, I've heard there's a group in town that gets together to watch UND games. Is that true? You know? Oh, that's
2: a, it's a good question. I think certainly on the hockey side for mm-hmm. sure. You know because uh, remind me, you had Adam Shiel, I think, yep. in town, right? And so he was, Adam, he
1: was, yep, he was our goalie. The team uh, won the regular season and then lost in the in the whatever the kelly cup finals and he was he was outstanding so uh, we had a chance to have him on our show a couple of times sharp guy and uh, i don't know if he's coming back to the team or not but uh, he was a mainstay for them this year
2: yeah good question alex calls hockey for us so uh he's gotten uh a lot of visits
0: with uh, adam shiel for sure He's a good kid. And yeah, I think he's going to the AHL this season. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if he's getting back with the Steelheads uh, coming up. Probably not. Short. He
1: might be I'm with it. the Texas Stars, but uh, we enjoyed him this year. And he certainly uh, stopped a lot of shots and won a lot of games.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I know there is a good UND fan base, a alumni base that is out there in Boise, uh, including one of my former co-workers, actually. He and his wife live out there now and have loved it for the last however many years. So I, I think, like Bill said, it should be uh, not necessarily... A mixed atmosphere, but some pockets of some green over the course of Albertson Stadium. So we're excited for a great contest. It's going to be fun, Bob. It's
1: funny. Whenever I go places and you go to games, you know, there's always some blue when we're on the road. And I'm talking about like basketball. You play some random game in the place. You're like, where the heck is somebody from Boise State going to be from? And there's, the, you know... 10 people that are sitting there in blue and, and you wonder where they come from and i'm sure the same thing north dakota i know what happened when we were at umass you, you just you never know where somebody's a fan or somebody somebody's an alum
2: that's right that's right well we
1: look for, I, I look forward to seeing you on
2: saturday uh for sure bob
1: great looking forward to catching up with you Bill, and uh welcome welcome to boise welcome for the fans that are coming and uh i think you're picking a good month to come september is a great month here
0: that's right (laughs) we're excited bob thanks again so much for the time have a great call this weekend thank you guys bob beeler play-by-play voice for boise state football and men's basketball now for 16 seasons Uh, thanks again to bob for joining us it sets a great picture of what's to be expected coming up this weekend again north dakota going to idaho to take on the team in blue on the turf 11 a.m. central time kick 10 a.m. local time the game can be seen on fs1 this is that big noon kickoff window bill we were talking about yep you gotta love it when fox decides (laughs) to put teams on the west coast in that particular time slot so a little bit earlier than usual but it's gonna be a great atmosphere and a great game and a great test for a north dakota team that is flying high after a phenomenal start to the season
2: Yeah, I I think so. Yeah. And I I do appreciate Bob stopping by. I worked with him uh, at UMass uh, literally 21 years ago. So uh, somewhere in that range. So I've known him a long, long time and spent a lot of time with him. Um, He's just a a great guy. Time flies. I can't believe he's been there 16 years already. Holy cow. Um, But uh, he's uh, he's done a great job um, there for sure. Uh, Very thorough uh, does does his homework for sure. Um, Yeah. You know, I I think that window is interesting. That I, I didn't realize that they practiced in the morning too. We do as well, which is fine. Um, but I do like the temperature will be better for the for um the both teams early on in the day. I I mean, because it's gonna be it's gonna get warm there at some stage of the game, but we'll probably miss uh the high point of it, uh, you know, whatever, three, four, five o'clock, right?
0: Yeah, you would think so. Yeah, so it should be pleasant. A pleasant day for traveling fans and certainly fun to watch on television. Again, on national TV, on FS1, another national TV game for UND in the non-conference window. Like you've had the last couple of seasons. Nice, nice boost after Nebraska and Utah State. All these these games that you've set up. It's been great to have that type of exposure.
2: Really lucky. Um, you know, you set these games up, Alex, and you just don't know what's going to happen on the television side. And, uh, you know, for us, if we can play pretty well, um, we become an attractive uh, non-conference game for, for certainly FBS schools. And, uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, we travel well And uh, obviously when you're a flagship university, uh, I think that sells a little bit as well. So yeah, we're excited about it. And yeah, and and you're right. I thought we did a good job over the weekend um, taking care of uh, Northern Arizona. I was, you know, it's always been interesting. I know it's always been a tight one score game. Uh, It seems like every time those two teams uh, have laced it up. So um, for us to kind of take control of it, I thought was uh, impressive. And um, yeah, I thought efficient. Maybe was the award. Maybe that's the word I would use. I mean, I know Bubba was, you know, not, uh, you know, tremendously excited about how we maybe ended the game. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's a 60 minute game and they're going to make some plays as well.
0: Yeah, 37-9 was the score basically at one point, midway through the fourth, and it was signed, sealed, and delivered by then. And like you said, Lumberjacks got a couple late to make the score a little closer than what the game actually was. But again, for UND, you've got to feel great coming into this matchup. And obviously you're playing a team with fantastic credentials, preseason favorite in the Mountain West, a team that ran the table last year in that conference a season ago, won a bowl game outside the Power Five. I mean, Boise State is one of the schools that, fans are familiar with from Statue of Liberty plays in the Fiesta Bowl years ago and great runs as this outsider that was trying to break into the top ranks. I think a lot of people like Boise State because of their Uh, underdog mentality and how they've been able to rise the little guy rising above and taking on the Alabamas and the UCLA's of the world and things. But and now he gets to take on that role uh, against them on the road. And what should be, again, a great atmosphere, 36,000 people on the blue turf coming up on Saturday.
2: Yeah, he mentioned uh, Gene Blaymeyer, um, the athletic director uh, back in the 80s when they put the blue turf in. And you're right. They they were your classic disruptor. And at the end of the day, they just uh, keep climbing the ladder. And uh, they've had just an amazing run one of the most successful programs, certainly in the last quarter century. And so uh, we'll have our work cut out for them. I mean, they played a, a really, really, really good Washington team. And UCF, as we all know, has been very good the last several years. And that was a literally a flip of the coin game. I mean, yeah. uh, so, you know, it could have gone either way at the end. Um, so, You know, but I think our guys are are, are excited, right? Like, I mean, why wouldn't they be? And this is just a tremendous opportunity. If you play this sport and you get to challenge yourself, maybe step up another uh, level and you're on national television, this is awesome. What more could you want? So I know our guys will be focused and ready, but I know we're playing a really, really good team this weekend.
0: It was unique how this game came about because Boise State, if I remember, was not the original opponent scheduled for this window. Give us the recap of how we ended up with the Broncos here in 2023.
2: Yeah, so as simple as I can say is we got a phone call from Washington and they were looking to play at the back end of a home and home with Michigan State. They had played the Spartans last year uh, in East Lansing and wanted to play them uh, in in a two-year window and saw that... um, if they kind of maybe maneuvered it a little bit, they could get Michigan State on this date and then provide us the opportunity to go to Boise if that worked out for Boise as well. And so long and short of it, um, it's just, there's an irony that Boise happened to be playing Washington this year too, so that that really had nothing to do with it per se. But it just adds another little wrinkle to it. But long story short, yeah, we we potentially were going to be in Seattle this weekend, um, yeah, is, but we're not. We're in Boise, and uh, <laughs> you know, and part of it was I think, it, of course, you're going to do what you think is right for your program, right? Like simple as that. But at the end of the day, all things being equal if you think you know you can support and help uh you know maneuver scheduling to some degree it is difficult um you know you sometimes will get that back down the road too you know folks will remember uh you know that well you did us a solid so to speak now having said that the financials are the same so um at the end of the day uh and you know our 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 team has never been to Boise. We were in Seattle. Um, you know, one of my first uh, trips here at UND.
0: So 2018, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah Just to yeah, one the of the first ones.
2: Yeah. So you know, at the end of the day, um, I thought that you know, even though it's five years ago, and so really no one on the team really knows the difference going to. Uh, um Seattle in, in going to uh, a beautiful stadium obviously uh it's one of the you know classic scenes in college football mm-hmm. um you know may, maybe down the road we go back who knows but at the end of the day uh this one seemed to work out and uh i think i think we're gonna see i, I think we're gonna see um a sneaky amount of green uh uh on Saturday.
0: every game a home game well right, my get,
2: well my guess Friday night too we'll see a lot of
0: green <laughs> There you go. That's it. That's it for sure. So again, 10 a.m. local time in Boise, 11 a.m. central time on FS1. Boise State 0-2, but obviously playing some of the best teams in the country. And then North Dakota on the flip side, 2-0. And remember, Fighting Hawks go into a bye after this. This ends the non-conference portion of the season, at least for this point, then an off week, and then a big road test against South Dakota State. So a great chance here to try and build a little more momentum, have a great experience out West and then get healthy going into a big game against the top ranked Jackrabbits who just won a huge game at home against number three, Montana State. So exciting stuff here for Bubba Schweigert and the CUNB football team. Safe travels to everybody who's making the trip out West. It's going to yeah. be a great scene. Thanks,
2: Alex. It should be should be a lot of fun. And like I said, I think the the weather's going to be uh, dynamite.
0: So we're excited about it. Speaking of travels, you are getting set to embark on a a quick trip south for some Summit League meetings coming up this week. What do you expect to be some of the big talking points with Josh Fenton and the crew?
2: Yeah, really good question. Uh, You know, We are still going to be, you know, discussing uh, the fallout of losing a member. Uh, There's still some of those uh, conversations that still need to take place, I think, for longer term scheduling. Uh, So there's some pieces to that we're probably going to need to discuss. And then I think Josh, you know, uh, we'll have, you know, the latest, greatest on maybe what's going on just you know at the national level and uh, and what he's hearing you know from let's call it realignment to anything that might be happening with President Baker in Congress at this stage and I know there's been multiple bills bandied about in Congress so uh, I know I know he will have the latest uh, update in that regard and uh, you know Honestly, Alex, it, it, then from there, I, I think you just kind of get into some minutiae business uh, that you need to take care of uh, um, league-wide, and it's better to do it face-to-face. I mean, it, it, you, know, we, you know, the Zoom piece works uh, for sure on a monthly basis, but um, even in our own staff, our, our own department, we do an all-staff Zoom once a month but we do quarterly face to faces as well. Mm -hmm. And so I do think, you know, we do two face to faces uh, in the summit league. And I think it's incredibly important because then you're able to just discuss some things and go offline on some things as well. And, you know, if I have a question on something, uh, you know, all my counterparts, the SWAs that, you know, are all there so that you can actually just say, Hey, how are you handling X, Y, or Z? Is Jarnigan will be down there, uh, so the two of us will be uh, representing, uh, you know, UND, and who knows um, if there's. Yeah, you know, I'm not quite sure. I it, the way Josh runs it a little bit he'll bring in a guest or two as well probably zoom those folks in and so yeah i mean it just gives us you know so liz and i will divide and conquer right like we'll go and make sure that we're not at the same table right like we're at different tables just trying to get the uh get the input from everybody uh you know in the league and what they're hearing about
0: various things yeah, there's well, certainly a lot in that space to be discussed. So excited to hear you report back in two weeks' time on the next episode of the Bill Chase podcast. Yes, well, we'll have Mike Schmidt as a guest.
2: Yes. yes. And so
0: we'll talk a little hockey officiant. We
2: should probably put Eric Martinson like on the back, like somewhere, maybe we'll mute him,
0: but we'll just <laughs> at
2: least put him on the pod as well.
0: He'll be like our Terry McCauley, like our rules official that we can call upon. He's the Dr. Joe Macknick of this podcast. And ever we can buzz him in, He can give his two cents. What what do you see (laughs) in there? Eric,
2: Eric, what do you see in there? (laughs) What do you see in there?
0: Oh, man, I love it. We're looking forward to that. We get to, by the way, hang out with Mike Schmidt. I I shouldn't say we. I get to hang out with Mike Schmidt tomorrow because tomorrow is NCHC Media Day in St. Paul. Mike's going to be there uh, doing kind of a session to talk about video review and and some of the new standards they're going to be applying this season. So it's just another reminder. Hockey season just around the corner. The preseason all-conference team just came out yesterday in the NCHC. A couple of North Dakota lads represented there with Reese Gaber and Jackson Blake amongst the forward groups. It's exciting to think that mid-September is here. We're really just three weeks away for before Manitoba and before we get started on October the 7th.
2: Drop the puck and lots of home games, Alex.
0: Lots, Lots of home games,
2: games right? Uh, right, right in a row. So uh, uh, exciting, really, really exciting about it. And I, I know our guys, we met with them last week. So uh, we end up uh, at the beginning of each year, uh, orientation wise, there's a number of things from an orientation wise that go on. There's a, I'll call it the, the X's and O's that they have to sign off on a lot of different, a lot of various NCAA forms. Mm-hmm. that's off to the side but then we talk to each team on a very macro level so we uh we were with hockey um last week and uh yeah they're 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 excited about it i mean you know it's got some uh, obviously new faces on the back end and uh like all new faces and all so faces. Uh, so but <laughs> like they, nobody's they, the so, same no, <laughs> like nobody like like 100% so mm-hmm. uh but you know they're excited about it um they 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 think practices uh you know have gone well thus far and i think they're Get along pretty darn well. I mean, in the sense of you know, lots to ask, right? I mean, to 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 quickly get rolling, uh, and uh, but they'll be fine. I mean, they'll 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 get after it, and you know, almost like no different than probably uh, in some ways. A lot of these guys have played in you know in, you know great all star teams and all those types of things. You know, you you go figure it out pretty pretty darn quick.
0: Yeah, well, it's a team that is reloading this season, and the preseason poll will come out today. Uh, I get to vote for that every year. And it was a difficult vote because there really are seven teams who you could sort of interchange in and in between really from one through seven because a lot of teams have question marks and a lot of teams have new faces coming in. And I, I just, I don't know where North Dakota is. Not that it matters because it's a it's just a preseason media poll, but I'm really curious to see what people on the outside think the expectations are for this team. Because certainly the forward group has established stars coming back and a ton of depth and they'll have a top nine this year, really. And a lot of firepower, but there just are some unknowns on the back. And I could see UND being picked to finish as maybe as high as seconds and maybe as low as in that fifth ish range where they finished last year. I'm just really interested to see what people think and then yeah. to see how it actually all plays out once the puck drops.
2: You know, the one thing though, that will be interesting that certainly our media knows that, um, Ludwig's been in the league before too Mm -hmm. so he's been uh in arenas uh certainly you know and that's a big deal I mean we've talked about that previous times just to be able to know where you're going right as a visitor player and and know just the thought process on how that all rolls I mean uh he that that is no issue for him by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, and so you're right. I mean, but with so many new faces, right. On on the defensive core, all new faces. um, Yeah. It'll be interesting what people uh, think at this point in time. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, I, you know, polls are awesome to, to discuss, but like we say every year, right. I mean, it's the poll at the end.
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. That's what these things are here for conversation. Not to put a definitive stamp on your season before it actually begins. That's for sure. And maybe a little bulletin board material, depending on where you get put up, I guess. So it should be fun. But again, Hockey Media Day coming up tomorrow. Look for some good content there. Certainly from UND's brand accounts from the Midco Sports crew as well. Myself and Taylor Budge will be in attendance over in St. Paul at the X. Hockey season's about a month away. A lot of Summit League conference events now getting set. That's just maybe a week or two away before conference play begins for volleyball and for women's soccer. Still, a couple of non conference matches to go, though. Both of those clubs had successful weeks over the last couple of weeks women's volleyball with a couple of wins in their UND Classic. They're now 3-6 and six getting set to go on the road to Cedar Falls to take on a couple of teams at the UNI Classic coming up this week before eventually beginning Summit League play on the 21st of September. Women's soccer, kind of a similar story. They had a five-match unbeaten run going that was snapped ultimately on Sunday against Grand Canyon. They have a couple more home matches this week against Wyoming and Arkansas Pine Bluff before they start their conference season, at home as well on the 21st. It's all happening right now. Conference play just around the corner for these teams as they finish up their non-con this week.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it, and I, I think you recapped it well. I, I don't need to really underscore anything. You've, you've said it correctly, but the <laughs> other thing... Just took the that,
0: oxygen, Bill, I'm saying
2: No, you're good. You're good. I, <laughs> hey, I, listen, less is more, right? Um, at the end of the day, the other thing that's kind of happening, too, interestingly, you know, we've got uh, kind of the non-championship format of uh the softball world so they we, we've got a couple games coming up for them uh, uh golfs are in play as well and and tennises are, are doing their thing and so uh, and of course cross country but at the end of the day um yeah lots of stuff going on alex i mean uh, this is you know and that's you know the sneaky part of uh all of our programs in some way shape or form have something going on at this yeah. stage of the game it just may not be like you know, again, the championship portion of your season. So therefore, you may not know what's going on, but we do have softball going on. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday here at home. So kind of interesting. That cool?
0: Yeah, very cool. I do want to shout out cross country, by the way. The men finished second at the STSU Classic. They just so point off defeating the Jack Rapids, who have won the state championship, or the state Have won the conference championship a handful of years in a row, beat North Dakota State at that event in Brookings. The women finished fourth, by the way. Like really good early season results after they both won their respective classes at the Ron Penn Classic to open up things at the start of September. Good things happen in there for the Harriers to start things off.
2: So you, as as a as a track and field expert, uh Cross country is interesting. There's a lot of chess moves that uh, go on during uh, the yeah. prior to the championship. It feels that way. Is that fair? Now, I do think it was a really good result for us. So, like, really good result. But, but it does. There's a little chess going on, isn't there?
0: Yeah, it doesn't always mean that everybody was running their top people or that their top people were competing at their top level. Like you see that where you taper up towards Hmm. championship season and and you don't know what other teams are dealing with. But I looked at the results and you could see a lot of top names from these different schools. But sometimes it could be maybe our top three were competing. And then our fourth and our fifth maybe we're just a little bit injured this week, so they didn't run. So then our sixth and seventh runners slide up a couple spots, and now they're the ones scoring for us. And they're scoring in the mid-20s versus the teens, where our fourth and fifth runner would finish. It, there's a lot of moving parts, but at the same time, you can't argue with the times, and you can't argue with the fact that you've got multiple individuals putting up PRs, and that's what UND are – that's what they're doing right now on the men's and women's side. So it's – those are good things to see right now at this point in the season.
2: And I I would say this on the volleyball and soccer side, kind of similar type of stuff too. I mean you're getting prepped literally for the Summit League season. And so if you're playing a match or a game, of course you want to win. Of course. Of course. But at the end of the day, there is – this thing where you do have to figure some things out with your squad as well. And you're going to give uh, some some players opportunities. And who knows? I mean, we I'm sure that like we see in the NBA playoffs, right, the bench shrinks at some point in time, mm-hmm. probably the benches will shrink to some degree, but you, you have to make sure that you provide reps for for anyone and everyone if you can. And I think that was – so if we loop all the way back to football, if we loop back all the way back to football, I thought that was the most important part, honestly, of Saturday too. And even the Drake game, we were able to get some guys on the field during that Mm -hmm. uh, parts of that second half, huge. That's going to pay dividends for us at some point in time.
0: Yeah, getting those reps is big. Uh, Jesse Tupac mentioned this past week that they really had six different lineups – for their first six matches of the season. And now he's been able to slowly figure out, okay, who fits best in this role? It just, it just takes a little bit of time. I think soccer with Chris Logan, the same thing. You see a couple different, mostly the same starting 11s from week to week, but a couple tweaks here and there. And that's the way you do it. You don't introduce an entirely new lineup from one week to the next, but you can incorporate maybe two or three new faces in different positions just to make sure that there's stability there. And now you can add Versus, OK, now we got to spend the first 20 minutes of the match just figuring this out.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, if you really think about this, too, and you think about a, a pitcher, right? Uh, I, I mean, a baseball pitcher, not a softball pitcher. But, you know, volleyball, you got to be careful of their swing count, too, right? Like you've mm-hmm. got to manage that a little bit to, to some degree. Now you go into a weekend where you've got three matches and you don't know if they're going to go three, four or five. And you could be playing 15 sets you've got to be able to manage that a little bit. So at the end, you know, I think it's a little different when you get into uh, Summit League play, just a little, because I think that uh, your rest period increases a bit. But these first four weeks of the volleyball season, you've got to be really thoughtful about what you're doing in that regard. And I know, I know Jesse is certainly doing that.
0: Yeah, well, they're off to a good start. Soccer again, same thing, 500 right now. Uh, We will have, by the way, UND Women's Soccer live on our airwaves. Everything's been streaming so far. All those home matches have been online through the Summit League Network on Midco Sports Plus. But this Thursday... Mountain West champion Wyoming are coming to town. Preseason favorites in that conference. That match will be live at 3 o'clock on the 14th on Midcoast Sports. So be sure to tune in, as well as a lot of Summit League action coming up for both of those schools when the calendar flips next week.
2: So obviously, if we're playing a Mountain West school, we're playing the preseason favorite.
0: Obviously, Th- this that's is how just what up. it we, is, right? We only play the best from the Mountain West. That's, that's the Bill Chaves motto. <laughs> we're not taking... Number three or number six? No, we want no, the we want no, the favorite. We no, want the defending we, champions. That's right.
2: I go and uh, make sure that I know what's going to be happening, and and we change. We'll change the game if we have to.
0: <laughs> Bill has a uh, Bill has an incredible incredible way of seeing the future. It's just oh just yeah, the crystal, crystal ball
2: has been unbelievable. Some would say I've got it all backwards. <laughs> <laughs> that you might want to invert that crystal ball.
0: <laughs> just pull a Costanza, whatever it says. Just do the opposite. That's right. That's right. Do the opposite. Uh, Bill, anything? we got about 10 minutes left. Anything else on your agenda before we flip quick to over to the B side?
2: Yeah, let's go to the B side. It's a, it's international break. It feels like they've been on international break forever, Alex.
0: I know. I know. So that's, this, this is the first international window of the season. It happens all the time. You get like four matches in. The EPL has built this great momentum, and then we just pull the rug out. And sorry, right, everybody, go off, go off and play for your country for a little bit. This will happen again, just so you're aware. In October and in November, they have one every month for the next three as we build Can up. Can I ask forward. why? Why? Well, I, you know, I mean, FIFA, FIFA's is going to FIFA bill. They, they, got, you know, it's the money, and there's, there's a chance here. I think. Every continent is sort of doing their own thing. You've got European qualifiers going on with UEFA. You've got Nations League matches in CONCACAF. You've got some clubs or some nations that have already qualified for some of those competitions which are just doing friendlies like the USA is doing this week. You've got AFCON going on in Africa. There's just sort of a lot of different stuff happening. But some of it yeah, it's it's hard to keep up with. Some of it are just routine friendlies just for the heck of it because you're getting ready for matches that matter in October. The US doesn't play a meaningful match till November by the way. They're they're already set to the quarterfinals of the Nations League because they won that competition last year. But it's it's just interesting. It's unfortunate mm. maybe for the club football enthusiasts. But it is kind of fun to have those international breaks because every I mean every once in a while you, you get a first-class team playing another first-class team yeah. like Germany's going to play France coming up on to uh, yeah, I think today in a friendly. And it'll be kind of fun. See what happens. Roll them out. Club game, though, is a lot more fun, I think, to me. It's hard to break up that that rhythm.
2: A lo- I, Did I read uh, that uh, Germany, I think, is uh, looking for a new manager?
0: They have sacked Hansi Flick. It is the first time in German Federation history that they have fired their manager. Things got that bad. 4-1, they lost to Japan. Uh not great yeah you know maybe it's time we just move on and find that, that's funny
2: the uh yeah they've had a little bit of a um i don't know are they maybe they're a little bit between eras right now maybe in germany i don't it's hard to say you know sometimes yeah. that can happen right
0: yeah, it feels that way. It feels like they've just not produced as many world-class players I agree. as they had in previous generations. There just aren't as many. They just don't... And obviously, they've had a tough time producing number nines for a long time. They don't have a lot of goal scorers, but now it seems to have trickled through the side where they've got a couple. Yep. Like, Joshua Kimmich is a world-class player in midfield for Bayern. Leon Goretzka, like, they've got some guys who are hmm. at the top of their game But around the rest of the side, it's just not the quality. And and the tactics haven't been great. And we saw that. They didn't make it out of the group stage in the last World Cup. The women, same thing, didn't make it out of the group stage. And it's I read an article from Rafa Honigstein in The Athletic this morning just talking about the identity crisis within German football right now across the spectrum and within Germany as a whole. Really, what's happening over there is not also different over here. There are culture wars and people don't know – what the best way forward mm. is from politically on down. And yep. it just, it's made, it's when the results don't come, then people quickly point fingers at, well, we're not doing this, or we're not doing this, yep. and it's because of this. And they've just got, they've got some issues they're trying to work through. Hmm. Not unlike a lot of other nations around our fair world.
2: So we, uh we start, I think, back up this weekend, right? Premier League. So Sheffield
0: uh, United coming to the new White Hart Lane. Well, you met, you made
2: the, the you made uh the point. I mean, it hasn't been the most difficult schedule for Spurs, but you have to take care of business. I mean, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. I mean, literally we've seen any team probably can beat any team unless you're talking about City. Uh, But at the end of the day... Uh, you, you still got to figure it out. I mean, so excited for Saturday. See what happens. We'll be playing a little simultaneous. Uh, we'll be playing football in Boise, and they'll be playing football in North London.
0: <laughs> Bill will be double screening uh, from the friendly confines of the Albertson Stadium press box. But it, it's uh, it, for, for Spurs, you're in a good spot. Second place in the table, unbeaten through four matches, trailing only City. Not too dissimilar as where Liverpool is at right now. Same point total. Same spot. They're also playing a bad team, quote-unquote, this weekend, although Liverpool's on the road at Molyneux to take on Wolves. But it's just it's so early in the season. And when you come back from these breaks sometimes, you don't really know what you're going to get. Yep. And these can be bad times to play lesser teams. Yep. So I'm curious to see how it all shakes it, out.
2: It'll, it'll be interesting. I it, What little, little, I mean, so much can change. It's a long season, and who knows what's happening in January or February. It seems like there's a little separation at the bottom of the table, though. Boy, there's some teams really struggling, huh? I mean, uh, this might be the year mm-hmm. Everton. I'm just not sure. I, I, I they can't really score, Alex. I mean, that's a problem. And, and at the end of the day, that bottom of that table right now, I, I you got to take care of business when you have those when you're playing those teams, whether it be on the road or at home.
0: Yeah, through four matches, Burnley and Luton Town, two of the new boys, have not secured any points and then Everton and Sheffield just have the one and those four have just not looked great Sheffield was a team everybody picked to go down by the way your opponent this weekend because they most teams strengthen when you move up from the championship and they weakened they sort of sold off a lot of their guys sort of knowing we don't have the financial backing right now to really make a run at this so let's maybe try and just blood some young guys in and just know we're probably going to go down so then we can take the parachute payments and then bounce right back up and be stronger for it. It's so it's such a long game view, which yep. is so different than most of these clubs when they pop so up. So the
2: pod that, that um, I think we both listened to, the Price of Football pod, um, mm. they kind of went into that a little bit, you know, and they talked about – no, no, It might have been the two Robbies talked about it after the uh, after the Sunday matches about Burnley. Truly, probably was better last year than they are this year because they had all those players on loan because there's oh, connectivity yeah. with City, and that's the other piece. Like you can get to the Premier League, but once you get there, what does your roster look like relative to what it was when you possibly just won the championship?
0: It's so unique because in recent seasons, really up until last year, it felt like most times the newly promoted clubs would either go right back down. Yep. Like you pull a Norwich. Or a pretty you good bounce. Drop, or, you can, or you can have some success. And you would kind of be like maybe two of the three would either drop right away, but one would be okay and finish almost mid-table. Yep. Maybe finish 12th or 13th. And it seemed like there would be one who would kind of then stick around. Whether yep. it was like Wolves, again, Wolves a handful of years ago Wolves, were the team that came up and have been a steady team. Brighton has been that way now for almost a decade, came up and just has not dropped. But then now this last season, all three newly promoted teams stayed up. And that was a bit of a removal from what we had seen in the past. Usually at least two would go, sometimes all three. And now this year it feels like, well, maybe all three are actually just going right back down. But who knows? Everton is certainly going to be in that mix. There'll be other teams like Wolves who are not very good this season that will be in the mix as well. We have 34 matches left. We have a lot of time left to figure all this out. But it's just fascinating how year in, year out, depending on what team it is, yep. who's making the move up, what the ownership group looks like, what the squad looks like, how much did you rely on your loanies to get you through and get you across the line to get up, you might find yourself in a situation like Burnley and Luton do right now where, and Sheffield for that matter too, where hope is not great at this point in the season.
2: Yeah. You know, um, for those of you that really don't follow, um, soccer at all in uh, well in this case england it's interesting the whole concept of loans right like so Mm -hmm. at the end of the day whereas if you are a major league baseball player you might you know get your at-bats in triple a or you're you're in triple a getting your at-bats well they allow you to be loaned out to a potentially it could be another premier league team could be Or or it could be uh, uh, the next lower tier down. And it's an awesome way to get your player uh, reps, right? We talked about reps. And at the end of the day, if the reps go very well, they might go right back to the team that loaned them. And and, (laughs) and, and so therefore, there's a big gaping hole for that team now to try to figure it out.
0: Yeah, it's sort of a band-aid situation. I mean, it's a short-term solution, which can work really well and benefit both parties. But at the end of the day, you know, unless it's a loan with an option to buy, which most of these big clubs do not put into the loan. It's like, no, you're going to be there for a year yep. or you're going to be there for a couple months. And then we're recalling you. It's usually pretty short term, a short term solution.
2: How nervous have you been? I'm going to flip the uh, script on you. The, the, the most sala piece uh, uh, potentially getting <laughs> bought. I mean,
0: what, what, what's happening there? Uh, I'm not concerned. I no. don't think he's going. I think I think the the more realistic thing is he might move next year. But at this point, Liverpool have said the window's closed. Like we, you're, the Saudi Arabia window is open to whenever they want it to be. I think the 20th of September is when they have sort of muted as like their potentially potentially their final date. But again, they can decide whatever they want to. I guess I, I don't think they would sell him right now, even though the number is astronomical, just because they wouldn't have anybody to come in to replace. And yep. I don't think they would do so in January either, unless it got ridiculous and unless he really wanted to go. There are some interesting geopolitical things between Egypt and mm. Saudi Arabia, and it would be—I don't know where Mo would stand on going there. And so far, he's been very like, no, I'm I'm a Liverpool player. Jurgen Klopp has said he is not for sale, and FSG has said the same thing. So I, it's it's a lot of smoke, and I know there's a. We saw this with Jordan Henderson and with some other players where it's like, oh, well, that's not going to happen. And then it does. But this one, it seems like the club has been very adamant that this is not going to happen. And the player has not. It flips when the player says, no, I do want the money. I do want to go. And I don't think Mo wants that right now. So
2: last question, and then we'll yeah. we'll sign off for the week um, because we can't talk Red Sox. It's, they're just fighting the Yankees for last place. So
0: um, – <laughs> And you don't want to talk about the Steelers, so we're not going to go there either. Oh
2: my goodness gracious. Did the NFL start?
0: <laughs> my God. Next week. This was the last week of preseason for both our teams, Phil. So we'll that was the awesome. Pod. We'll Oof. check you in next pod. Ooh.
2: Ooh. <laughs> if you're gonna lose, lose. Um lose. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> the last question that I have though. If so, if on a more kind of protocol technical question, mm. if the if the window closes in England, but Spurs were still able to loan or or sell players to Turkey because their window was still open. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can still make that transaction going out. Obviously, you just can't get anybody coming in.
0: Correct. You can ship out. You cannot buy. Yeah. Once your window shuts, that's that. You. So this was a big thing a couple of years ago when England decided. Okay, we need to just we need to have our transfer window end before the season begins and they changed it so transfers are done and then the season starts a couple of days later and they realized this is an awful policy because germany spain italy france all these other countries were now like oh we have three more weeks left let's buy these english players and and they were losing players without being able to yeah no recourse restock the supply yeah now they've now shifted back so basically all of europe it more or less has their windows shut on September the 1st. Okay. But it's, it's some of the, you know, it's Saudi Arabia. Yeah. There are, you know, there are a couple other leagues around the world that have slightly later windows. Yep. And that has kind of thrown a, just a wrench into little this. A little bit. And that's, some of these clubs have now kind of come out and said, FIFA, you've got to get this under control. Like, I know this is yep. sort of every different confederation has their own ruling body, but this is just a weird thing that one nation, one league can do this, yeah. And, and so, if so, if Salah
2: if Salah hypothetically got purchased right now, because that window's still open, there's nothing Liverpool can do until the January window at this point. And the other piece that you know certainly Spurs found with Kane is there's such an inflation right now for uh, certain players in England. Uh, agents are jacking the prices up. So at the end of the day, um, yes, it, 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 it's good to have the money. But you also have to figure out how you get the next player too. Exactly.
0: It's one of those situations where you do need to have an agreement across all parties. Like it does sound so callous when we're talking about these players in terms of buying and selling. But the players do have to agree. Like I think we've seen over the years where – club will agree to sell a player to another club and the player will say, I, I don't want to go there. I'm not going to agree to personal terms. It's you know, it's basically like a no trade clause. Yeah. All of these players yeah. more or less have a no trade clause and they can say, no, nah, I'm good. I'm not going to do that. I-
2: I'm with you, Alex. The-, the vernacular is probably not great, but the actual opportunity for the player to have weigh-in is probably better than what we have in the States. If you don't have a no trade mm-hmm. clause,
0: i would say 100 percent. the player does have a lot of power and and we, and we see this more now in the nba and some other places where the player does say like no i really do want to go here and some of the time it i mean you know for dame lillard it hasn't worked out that great to Not say yet. I go to Miami. they could happen but again he did sign a contract but again we're diff- that's a tangent but in, in europe you do have and in, in soccer you do have that yeah. option to say I won't agree to personal terms with that club. Yeah, Don't bother. And yep. I think there's a better relationship more often than not with the club and the player and the opposition club that is trying to entice them to come. And you do get sometimes like tampering happens where a club will get into the agency ear and say, we are going to pay your guy this much. You are going to get this much of a percentage of that salary. Let's make this happen. And then they go to the club. Hey, my my guy wants to go That's to right. PSG. My guy wants to go to Real Madrid his head's been turned. He's not going to play for you anymore. Let's make it happen. Figure out the terms with their guy and let's go.
2: Yeah. uh, Yeah. And so that makes it interesting, but you're right. It it would be nice if windows were aligned.
0: It'd be nice if windows were aligned. You'd like it if windows were aligned. Yeah. That would,
2: that would make, that would make some sense, but who knows? Hey, if I'm a, if I'm a a league, if I have, you know, a, a little bit more extra time, it's perfect. If you've closed your window. Yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. All right, we we we've bored everyone to death about the transfer window, but it is fascinating. If you if you're not necessarily in tune with what transpires on how the uh, players go from one one team to another, I find
0: it very interesting. No, I think so too. It's it's a little bit of capitalism. It's a little bit of yeah something else that I don't know. I, but it, it's it's unique. It is a very unique thing to soccer that is very different than what we see in North America.
2: And the rumor mill never ends. It keeps churning. No. Yeah, I mean, I think Tottenham sent every player under the sun. And you only get like one
0: or two, yeah, you know. It's why they call it the silly season, Bill. It is the silly season, yes.
2: Well, hey, we're not going to try to be silly in Boise, that's for sure.
0: No, let's be serious out there on the blue surf. Let's go get something done. I mean, hey, came awfully close last year down in Lincoln. Came awfully close at Utah State. There have been a couple close calls in these FBS games. Why not this week? How, how many how many schools in the country
2: um, can say that they have played on the blue turf and the red turf?
0: <laughs> it's a pretty cool. UND deal. is one of the few. That's right. Amen.
2: After well, let's just say at three o'clock on Saturday.
0: <laughs> awesome! Excited for kickoff coming up this weekend. Enjoy that game on FS1 or in person if you're making the trip to Boise. Bill, always a pleasure. Appreciate you, Alex. Safe travels to you. Thanks again to Bob Beeler for jumping on. Thanks to Alec and Paul and our entire behind-the-scenes crew. For all of everybody here at the Bill Shapes Podcast, I'm Alec Snyder. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you in two weeks.